These distinguished men, up to this period with few exceptions, endeavored to create by their compositions a literature for their instrument. The Violin Cello and Its History by Joseph Vasilevsky The Art of Violin Cello in the 18th Century Section 2 Germany A universally current method for the manipulation of the fingerboard and also for bowing had indeed not yet been attained in either of the two countries. Germany. The violoncello had already found its place as an orchestral instrument about the year 1680 at Vienna, and in 1709 in the Dresden Royal Orchestra, as we saw. Toward 1720, it had penetrated also into northern Germany, since the band of the Duke of Holstein Gotharp evidently possessed one. At the same period, this stringed instrument must have been extensively used in other parts of Germany, otherwise Johann Sebastian Bach would scarcely have conceived the idea of composing for it his solo sonatas, which were already extant between the years 1717 and 1724. There were even at that time two German violoncellists who appeared to Gerber of sufficient importance for him to give them a place in his Dictionary of Music. Their names are Trimmer and Riedel. Johann Sebald Trimmer was born at the end of the 17th century or the beginning of the 18th century in Weimar, where he was instructed in instrumental playing by the ducal chamberlain and musician Ellenstein, and in the theory of music by Erbach, an old musician of Weimar. As soon as Trimmer had made progress sufficient to figure as a soloist, he undertook a concert tour which led him to Hamburg, for in 1725 he was a member of the theater orchestra there. Two years after, he went to Paris and remained until 1729. During this time, he pursued the study of composition under the direction of Bois-Mortier. He then went to the Dutch city of Alkmaar, and later on to Amsterdam, where he died in 1762. At Amsterdam, he had six sonate a violoncello, solo e continuo, published. The Salesian Riedel was not only a cellist, but also chief of the fencing school at Liegnitz. He must have been a very good player for his time. About 1727 he went to St. Petersburg and was there the instructor of the Emperor Peter II, who, as is known, only reigned three years, 1727 to 1730, both in cello playing and in fencing. Riedel was also member of the Russian court band where he still was in 1740. The number of German violoncello players very soon increased. Amongst them, Werner must next be mentioned, born at the beginning of the 18th century in Bohemia and died in Prague, 1768. He must have been a most excellent player since, as Gerber says, in his time no foreign cellist ventured to play in Prague. Werner was for some time established at the Crusaders' Church in Prague. Of his numberless concertos and solos for violoncello, none seem to have been printed. The violoncellist 
Caspar Cristelli, born in Vienna at the beginning of the 18th century, was in 1757 chief composer in the service of the Archbishop of Salzburg. He specially distinguished himself as the accompanist, a talent at that time highly prized, for the cellists who accompanied the vocal recitatives played an important part. Cristelli also wrote several compositions for his instrument. Johann Baptist Baumgartner, born 1723 in Augsburg, died May 18, 1782 at Eichstätt, as chamber virtuoso of the Prince Bishop, was educated in Munich, and then made a concert tour through Germany, England, Holland, and Scandinavia. Besides some violoncello concertos, he wrote Instruction de Musique Theoretique et Pratique à l'usage du violoncelle. This instruction book appeared in 1774 or 77 at the Hague. Wenzel Himmelbauer, born 1723 in Bohemia, was in Prague in 1764, went, however, to Vienna, and had a good reputation as cellist. His playing was chiefly famed for firmness of the bow stroke and quickness at sight reading. C. F. Daniel Schubart remarks of him in his Ideen zu einer Ästhetik der Tonkunst. He was a sincere and a most agreeable violoncellist, without any artistic pride, a man of the most upright and amiable heart. And he further remarks, No one uses his bow so quietly and easily as this master. He executes the most difficult passages with the most extraordinary ease, and especially pours out his heart in the cantabile. His sweet expression, his delightful phrasing, and, moreover, his great power in the middle tense are the wonder of all connoisseurs and hearers. He composed little for his instrument, but this little has all the more intrinsic value. Of Himmelbauer's compositions, there appeared at Lyon, 1776, as Opus One duets for flute or violin, and violoncello. A few duets for two violoncellos remained unpublished. The manuscript was in 1795 in the possession of the Bohemian cellist Emmerich Patzrick, and later fell into the hands of the author of The Art Lexicon for Bohemia, G. J. Glapkatz. Philipp Schindlöcker must be mentioned as a noteworthy pupil of Himmelbauer's, born on October 25, 1753, at Mont in Hennegal. He went very young to Vienna, whither his parents betook themselves. There he began the study of the violoncello. In 1795, he was appointed solo violoncellist at the Royal Opera House, Vienna, and three years later to the orchestra of the cathedral, St. Stephen. In the year 1806, he received the title of Imperial Chamber Virtuoso. He died April 16, 1827. Sixteen years previously, he had already retired into private life. Of his compositions, only a serenade for the violoncello and guitar were published, the rest consisting of a concerto, sonatas with bass accompaniment, and a rondo, also with bass accompaniment, remained unpublished. His nephew, Wolfgang Schindlöcker, born in 1789 at Vienna, 
was educated by him as a clever cellist. After he had been heard at fourteen years of age at a concert, he went in 1807 as chamber musician into the service of the court at Würzburg. His compositions consisted of a grand duo and three duets, which were published. Franz Josef Weigel belonged to the best German cellists of the last century. He was the father of the opera composer Josef Weigel, formerly in much repute. He was born on March 19, 1740, in a Bavarian village, and through the special recommendation of Joseph Haydn, was received on June 1, 1761, into the orchestra of Count Esterhazy. In 1769 he left and joined the orchestra of the Italian opera in Vienna. After three years of active work there, he was appointed to the imperial band, and made court and chamber musician. His death took place on January 25, 1820. Weigel composed, but if for his own instrument, is unknown. Anton Filz, a member of the electoral chapel at Mannheim, was a gifted cellist and composer. He died in 1768, in early manhood, before his talent had fully developed. He left in manuscript several duets and solos, as well as concertos for the violoncello. Johann Georg Schettke, born 1740 at Darmstadt, deserves special mention as a pupil of Filz, whose instruction he enjoyed for one month, after his father, who was secretary to the Grand Duke of Darmstadt and tenor singer at the cathedral, had given him his first musical education. He seems to have taken up cello playing by himself at first, but his Theoretical education was carried on by the concertmaster Enderla. In the year 1761, Schetke went for six months with his father and two sisters to Hamburg. There he had the opportunity of hearing great artists, which incited him to zealous study on his instrument. On his return to Darmstadt, he found a post in the orchestra there. Now and then he performed at concerts in the neighboring towns. After the death of his parents, he finally quitted Darmstadt, in 1768. He visited Hamburg and then London, where the patronage of Johann Christoph Bach was of service to him. Schetke did not, however, remain long in the English capital, as he received a proposal to go to Edinburgh, which he accepted. He very soon, in consequence of his marriage with a rich widow, retired into private life, being known to fame only through his compositions these taking no account of an important collection of various orchestral and chamber music works consist of numberless violin concertos, duets for violin and violoncello, sonatas for violoncello and bass, and twelve duets for two violoncellos, with some observations and rules for the playing that instrument, Opus 7. In these duets, as the title says, Schetke had a scholastic aim in view, yet they can scarcely be called a violoncello school. One of the last of Schetke's published works in his Opus 13, which contains six sonatas for violoncello with unfigured bass. The compositions therein contained give a distinct idea of his fluent, though superficially mechanical, manner of writing. It can readily be discerned that Schetke had for the time in which he lived a remarkable technique in playing. 
He must have been able with ease to play at sight the first violin part in quartets, a talent which proves at once his skill and readiness. His power and agility in bowing as well as his staccato playing in up-and-down bow strokes were famous. According to Gerber's account, Schettke died in Edinburgh in 1773. In Forster's History of the Violin, it is said, on the contrary, that his death took place only in 1824. As a clever and solid player and composer for his instrument, Marcus Heinrich Graul, who was born in the first half of the last century, is mentioned by Gerber. In the year 1766, he belonged to the Royal Orchestra at Berlin. He also composed pieces for the cello, but did not publish them. His pupil, Johann Heinrich Victor Rose, born on December 7, 1743, at Quedlinburg, was early instructed to play on various instruments by his father, who was town musician in the above-named place. The Princess Amalie, who then filled the office of abbess in the Quedlinburg convent, became interested in him and took him with her to Berlin in 1756 where he studied cello playing for some years under Graul and Mara. In 1763, he entered the service of the Prince of Anhalt-Bernberg. Four years later, he relinquished that in order to travel and accepted a place in the band of the Duke of Dessau. He did not long remain there, for in the year 1772, he accepted an offer to be organist at the place of his birth. According to Gerber's account, he possessed not only an extraordinary readiness on the violoncello, but also a most expressive, graceful rendering of his compositions. There were three solos with bass accompaniment published as Opus I. His best pupil was Friedrich Schrödel, born on February 4, 1754, in Barut, died January 10, 1800, at Ballenstedt. Gerber calls him one of the greatest masters on the violoncello of that period, and adds that many were of opinion that he surpassed the famous Mara in precision and delicacy. Johann Jäger must be noticed with special distinction as belonging to the German cellists of the last century. Schubert, who must have known him personally, says in his eccentric manner, Jäger is quite original, his bowie new unconstrained, and impetuously fiery. All masters apply the thumb to the D-string, and so bring out the high passages. But Jäger departs entirely from this method, a proof that his genius has more than one way of attaining his aim. He goes with lightning dexterity up the D and A-strings in the highest parts and brings out the most delicate phrases with the greatest tenderness and sweetness. Jäger is also a great reader, prima vista. That is, he can play from the music at sight the most difficult pieces with wonderful art. In regard to the Jäger violoncello compositions, which altogether remained unpublished, Schubert remarks, he follows no rules in composition, but is guided solely by his ear. His concertos and sonatas consist chiefly of original themes, which are grand noble, adapted to the instrument, and full of difficulties. Jaeger caused 
his pieces to be revised by good musicians, whereby they were put into correct form. At the same time, it must be confessed that the superfluous bows, the offscreen often of an unbridled fancy, have not all been pruned off. As Jaeger's compositions are not extant, there is no possibility of putting to the proof the justice of Schubert's judgment. We can only gather that Jaeger was self-taught. He appears to have been so even as a player. There is nowhere any intimation that he had any regular instruction on the violoncello. Gerber makes only the remark that Jaeger became under the influence of the Kapellmeister at Württemberg, the great man, whom the world admired. As Fatih informs us, Jaeger was born on August 17, 1748, in the little town of Schlitz. He was originally oboe player in the service of Holland. He cultivated at first, as his favorite instrument, the French horn. After he had been actively engaged at the court of Stuttgart, the post of chamber virtuoso in the Anspach Bayreuth Orchestra fell to his lot. The position left him a great deal of spare time, so that he was able to practice diligently the violoncello, and also to undertake concert tours, which led him to London in 1781. Jaeger had two sons, who were educated as violoncellists under his direction. The elder, Johann Zacharias Leonhard, born 1777 at Anspach, showed an early development and was able even at nine years of age, to execute solos with rapidity, certainty, and accuracy. In 1787, he played at the Prussian court and on that occasion so greatly excited the admiration of the queen that she wished to acquire him for the royal band in Berlin, to which, however, the father of the boy would not yield on account of his youth. The queen, therefore, proved her interest in him by granting him a life-long pension of one hundred dollars. On his return home, the margrave of Anspach appointed him in chamber musician. He did not, however, remain long in this position and went with his father to Breslau. There Jaeger's younger son was born, whose Christian name was Ernst. He possessed even more talents than his brother, for it was not long before he overtook him in cello playing to which the instructions he received from Bernhard Romberg greatly contributed. Until the year 1825, he lived at Breslau, after having traveled through a great part of Germany and Hungary. Then he responded to a summons from the Bavarian court to go as solo cellist to Munich. Besides his two sons, Johann Jäger educated also Alexander Uber, born at Breslau, 1783 as a capable cellist. His father, by profession a solicitor, was an enthusiastic lover of music, occupied his leisure hours with the composition of chamber music, and instituted weekly two concerts in his house. At one of them, symphonies were produced, at the other quartets and quintets. At the beginning of our century, Karl Maria von Weber, who began his career at the Breslau Theater, took part in these musical entertainments, as did also the director of music in the university at Bern, and the piano player, Kling Orr. The intercourse with these men was not of less importance for the musical development 
of young Uber, than his musical life in his father's house. At first he enjoyed the violin instruction by Janacek, while Schnabel conducted his theoretical studies, but he very soon took up the violoncello, for which Jaeger was his teacher. In the year 1804 he undertook his first tour, but returned soon to Blechslau. In the course of time Uber filled many positions as Kapellmeister, until about 1820 he settled at Basel, where he was married. In 1823 he undertook the post of conductor with the Count of Schoenach and Prince von Karolat, but in the following year death carried him off. Of his compositions for the violoncello, Uber published a concerto, opus 12, variations with quartet accompaniment, opus 14, six caprices, opus 10, and 16 variations upon a German air. During the second half of the last century, the art of the violoncello and its playing had already very extensively spread throughout Germany and had many more noteworthy representatives than in Italy and France. In the latter country, the higher pursuit of music was confined chiefly to Paris and in Italy, as we have already remarked in a previous paragraph. The opera was most decidedly in the foreground, while there was no great demand for instrumental music. On the contrary, Germany called out more instrumental vigor in order to satisfy the need of good musicians for the numberless courts. According to Gottlieb Friedrich Krebel's European Genealogical Handbook of the year 1770, there were, including the Romanic German Emperor and the King of Prussia, over 200 secular and spiritual princes and sovereign court counts, the greater number of whom supported capella, or bands, at least chamber music. These persons considered it of utmost importance to have about them not only good violin and wind instrument players, but also capable violoncellists, and consequently more talented young men devoted themselves to Germany to instrumental music, and especially to violoncello playing, than elsewhere. We have already seen that in the introduction of the violoncello from Italy to Germany was by way of Vienna. At least up to the present time, there are no proofs that the appreciation of this instrument and its reception into the orchestra had taken place sooner in other German places than in the Austrian capital. There was an eager demand for music from the reign of Maximilian I, to which the musical inclinations of the imperial family contributed. Maximilian II, Ferdinand III, Leopold I, Charles VI, Francis I, and Joseph II, each in his own way, presented to the inhabitants of Vienna a good example as regarded, regarded the encouragement of music. Already several decades before the birth of the last-mentioned prince, who himself played the violoncello, this instrument had been naturalized in Vienna as an orchestral instrument. Under his reign after the advent of Francescello, whose performances gave an impulse to a emulation, Vienna was already in possession of some remarkable solo cellists. To them belonged the two Schindlöckers and Josef Weigel, who have already been mentioned, as well as Johann Hofmann, member of the court band, Marteau, Hauer, and Küffel. Somewhat later followed the cellist Cayetan, Gottlieb, Scheidel and Hauschka.
Nothing is known concerning Scheidel. We have more information regarding Vincenz Hauschka, who was born on January 21, 1766, at Mies in Bohemia, and died in Vienna in 1840. He received his first musical education as choir boy in the Prague Cathedral. After six years' study, he devoted himself to violoncello playing, in which the Bohemian Christ instructed him for a short time. He eventually studied independently. At sixteen, he had made such progress that he found a place in the capella of Count Thun. Two years later, he was released from this engagement by the death of his benefactor. Hauschka then undertook a tour in Germany in 1792. He appeared in Vienna, where he gained everywhere applause by his performances. Later, a situation was offered to him in the imperial state service. From that time, he made no professional use of his art. But he did not quite abandon it, as he took part in the foundation of the Society of the Friends of Music, or Gesellschaft der Musikfreunde, as well as the Concert Spirituel, and was occupied also in both these musical institutions, which were of such importance to musical life in Vienna. The Dresden Hofkapelle possessed, in the second half of the last century, two noteworthy cellists, Heinrich Megalin and Kalmus. The first, according to Gerber's testimony, was counted amongst the cleverest players of his instrument. Kalmus belonged in 1797 to the orchestra of the Altona National Orchestra and was then a highly reputed member of the Hofkapelle at Dresden, where he died January 1809. In Berlin, the fir violoncello first came to be appreciated at its due value through Frederick William II. It is true it had been already well represented under Frederick the Great in the court band by Graul and the two cellists Mara, father and son, to be mentioned elsewhere. But that great monarch whose favorite instrument was the flute does not appear to have thought much of the violoncello, which he feigned to allude to as that nasal instrument, an expression which might have been bestowed formerly on the gamba. His nephew, Frederick William II, liked the violoncello and well understood how to handle it. He appears to have played the gamba in his younger days, for it is reported that, that the gambist Hesse first taught him. Though this instruction might also have referred to the violoncello, which many gambists took up at the same time. Later on, the cellist Graziani was master to the Prussian heir to the throne. But when Dupont the elder came to Berlin in 1773, Graziani was dismissed in favor of him. The future king, Frederick William II, must have played with taste and readiness. It is well known that Beethoven dedicated to him his two cello sonatas, Opus 5. Amongst the cellists who belonged to the Berlin Chapel towards the end of the last century must be mentioned. Johann George Fleischmann, a skillful player who was at first in the service of the Duke of Courland, but afterwards went to Berlin. In 1792 he followed the king on his expedition against the French as his accompanist. A second cellist, who worked at the same time in the Berlin Capella, was S. L. Friebel. As a pupil of Dupour the Younger, Heinrich Grosse 
born at Berlin, is distinguished. In 1798 he joined the royal band. The elder Dupour educated the cellist O.F.G. Hansmann, who was born at Potsdam on May 30, 1769, and was engaged at 15 years of age in the Berlin Capella. In 1790, he undertook the post of choir director at the opera. He appears to have quite given up his work as Kapellmeister when, in 1809, the place of organist at the Church of St. Peter at Berlin was given to him. He continued in the service of the church until the year 1833, when he was appointed royal accountant. Three years later, on May 4, 1836, death called him away. Finally, the Berlin Capella possessed in Herbig a pupil of the younger Mara. At the court of Mecklenburg in 1785, Franz Xavier Huber, born in the little Bavarian town of Oettingen, was working as a much esteemed violoncellist. In the Brunswick Capello was A.W.F. Matern, after the middle of the last century a player of some repute who brought up his two sons as cellists. Hanover was represented by the brothers Friedrich Ernst and Philipp Friedrich Benecke. Both belonged to the Elector's Court and Chamber Music Society. The Hofkapelle at Dessau possessed in Johann Christoph Bischof, born in 1748 at Erfurt, a very fair violin cellist. As one of the most creditable cellists of the second half of the last century, Johann Konrad Schlick must be mentioned. He is said to have been born at Münster in 1759 and died at Gotha in 1825 where he was established for more than forty years with the title of concertmaster of the ducal band after he had, about 1776, belonged to the Episcopal Chapel at Münster. In the year 1785 he married the very celebrated violin virtuoso Regina Strinasaki, with whom he was engaged in the winter of 1799 to 1800 as solo player at the Leipzig Gewandhaus. Schlick had a gifted pupil in J. G. Hammerlein, born at Bamberg, who held the post of concertmaster to the elector bishop of Fulda at the end of the last century. At the same time, Le Schlick, Johann David Scheidler, born in 1748, died on October 20, 1802, was employed as a much-liked violoncellist in the Gotha Capella. The ducal band of Meiningen also possessed a good violoncellist. It was J. J. Krieg, originally violinist and member of the Flemish Opera at Amsterdam. During his residence in Paris, he took up the violoncello and received their instruction from the younger Dupour. After he had studied for a while under this artist, he was engaged by Prince Laval Montmorency, in whose service he remained four years when he was summoned to Meiningen. There he worked and was still living in the year 1810. Krieg was born on June 25, 1750, at Bibra, in the neighborhood of Eckertsberga, in the district of Merseburg. His cello compositions, consisting of three concertos and some sonatas with bass, are among the best of that period. The violin cellist Hitzelberger 
was in 1786 in the service of the Bishop of Würzburg as chamber musician. At the court of Wallenstein, about 1790, Paul Winneberger was engaged as director of the Royal Hunt and Table Music. In the year 1800, he exchanged this post for that of cellist and composer to the French theatre at Hamburg. In the Turn and Taxis Kapelle at Regensburg were two cellists, Gretsch und Krauschek. The first was there until his death, which occurred in 1784. Krauschek, on the contrary, who was famous as an excellent cellist, only belonged to it from 1750 to 1760. Religious fanaticism caused him later to go into a Carmelite cloister. He died in 1789. To the Munich court music, in the second half of the last century, belonged Virgili. He is remarkable as having given his first instruction to the violoncellist Moralt. This last artist, who was born in the Bavarian capital in 1780 and died in 1829, finished his training under the violoncellist Anton Schwarz of Mannheim, and, having completed his studies, went into the Hofkapelle of his native city. Another pupil of Anton Schwarz, whose name is well known, was Max Borger. Born at Munich in 1785, he made such progress that already as a boy of fourteen years of age he entered the Hofkapelle there. Soon after he undertook a concert tour with his brother Anton, who was an able violinist, and this led him to Vienna. There he heard Bernhard Rumberg, who henceforth became his model. Towards 1830, after he had for a time been a member of the royal band at Berlin, he went to Paris where his fine tone and his ease in surmounting the most difficult passages excited admiration. Then he traveled through Germany. In 1832 he was appointed first cellist to the king of Württemberg with the title of concertmeister. Went in 1838, for the second time, to St. Petersburg, and then proceeded to Italy. The years 1842 to 1843 he spent in America giving concerts, he took his last journey, which led him to the countries of northern Europe. In 1847 he was not able to obtain the same amount of approbation, for he had lost a great deal of his power of execution. He died in 1867. He edited three concertos, several airs variés, a fantasia on a Russian folkslied, and a rondoletto with a quartet accompaniment, and some duets with violin. Contemporary with the above-named Moralt in the Bavarian court capella, Peter the Great, so called according to Gerber, on account of his talent, born at Zweibrücken in 1778, was actively engaged, and in 1792 was promoted to be member of the Bavarian Hofkapelle for Stuttgart, the violoncellist Zumsteg, and Kaufmann deserve consideration. Johann Rudolf Zumsteg was the more important. He was born on January 10, 1760 at Sachsenflur in the Odenwald and died on January 27, 1802 at Stuttgart. The royal Kapellmeister Poli at Württemberg was his teacher. Under his direction, Zumsteg became not only an excellent performer but also a creditable composer of music. 
He received a learned education at the Karlsschule, where he entered into friendly relations with Schiller and set to music many of his poems. He made himself particularly known through ballad compositions, which were first attempted by him. After he had quitted the Karlsschule, Zumsteg devoted himself entirely and actively to art. Up to the year 1792, he was simply member of the Stuttgart court band, of which he became the head after the decease of his master, Poli. Zumsteg played the violoncello with deep feeling, rare precision, and decisive power, as Gerber remarks. He wrote for it a concerto, sonatas, a duet, and a trio. Johann Kaufmann, born in 1760, was likewise a pupil at the Karlsschule, whence also came Ernst Häusler, born in 1761 in Stuttgart. He led a somewhat variable life. In the year 1788, he went on an artistic tour, during which he played especially in Vienna and Berlin. Soon after, he took an engagement in the band of the Prince of Donaueschingen, but in 1791 he relinquished this position in order to obey summons to Zurich. Thence, six years later, he returned to his native town, and in 1801 went to Augsburg, and in 1802 to Vienna to hold concerts. Finally, he assumed the office of choir director at the Evangelical Church at Augsburg, in which place he died on February 28, 1837. The electoral capella at Mannheim possessed in Karl Lochner, born about 1760, died 1795, as well as in Peter Ritter, remarkable cellists. Ritter, born at Mannheim in 1760, must have had higher claims to distinction on account of his musical education than Lochner, for he was promoted to the direction of the opera at the theater of his birthplace with the exception of a journey to Berlin, undertaken in the year 1785, where he played before the court, he seems to have pursued uninterruptedly his official duties. To the Mannheim orchestra belonged the violoncellists Johann Fürst, Ludwig Simon, and Anton Schwarz, already mentioned. As an offspring of Mannheim, Franz Danzi must also be mentioned, the son of the first violoncellist in the orchestra there, Innocenz Danzi. His father gave him instruction on the cello and Abt Vogler in composition. He soon made such rapid progress in playing that already in 1778 he was received into the electoral capella, which, as is known, was transferred to Munich about this time in consequence of the union of Bavaria with the Palatinate. He immediately began his work as a composer for the opera. Meantime, in the year 1790, he was united in matrimony to the exquisite singer Margareta Markand, daughter of the opera director in Munich. The following year, the couple went to Leipzig and Prague, where Danzi conducted the opera of Gardosoni's Italian Opera Company, while his wife took part as a singer. In 1794 to 1795, he traveled with his wife in Italy, and in 1797 they both returned to Munich, 
on account of the failing condition of the latter's health. Danzi was immediately appointed vice-capellmeister and displayed most praiseworthy activity. He was, however, so overcome by the death in 1799 of the partner of his life that for many years he seemed unable to perform the duties of his vocation, and, as it was repugnant to his feelings to take up work again in the place where his family happiness had been wrecked, he obeyed a summons to Stuttgart as court Kapellmeister. There he remained a year, at the end of which he assumed the direction of the opera at Karlsruhe. Danzi was born May 15, 1763, and died April 13, 1826. In the chapel at Mainz, in the year 1783 to 1784, there were the clever cellist and lutist Johann Christian Gottlieb Schindler, the brothers Josef and Andreas Schwachhofer, and at the court of Treves was also at that time Karl Kaspar Eder, born 1751 at Bavaria, who made himself known as a cello player in several tours. <laughs> To the electoral capelle at Bonn belonged Josef Reicher and Maximilian Willmann. Reicher, uncle to the gifted composer Anton Reicher, was born at Prague in 1746. Found at first a position with Count Wallenstein, and a few years later received the appointment of concert leader at Bonn. He was working there with some reputation until his death in 1795. Willmann, born in 1768 at Forstenberg, a village between Würzburg and Mergentheim, was member of the Bonn Hofkapelle in the last decade of the past century, after he had been resident for a few years in Vienna. Later on he returned to Vienna and found a post there as solo player at the theater. Willmann, who died in 1812, had two daughters, the elder of whom was a pupil of Mozart for the pianoforte, and the younger an excellent singer. Louis von Beethoven solicited the hand of the latter, but in vain. Besides Reicher and Willmann, the celebrated violoncellist Bernhard Romberg belonged to the Capelle at Bonn from 1790 to 1793. With regard to this artist, the necessary information will be given in the next section on Germany for the distinctive influence of his work belongs to the 19th century. To the above-mentioned German cellists are to be added Immler, Schönebeck, Raupe, Bauersachs, Alexander, and Arnold. Immler, born in 1750 at Weitramsdorf near Coburg, founded a sphere for work in Göttingen. His playing was distinguished especially for its fine tone and agreeable manner of rendering. He was also a good violinist. Karl Siegmund Schönebeck, born on October 26, 1758 at Lübben in Lower Lusatia, was originally destined for the surgical profession, but felt himself so irresistibly drawn towards music that all attempts to hold him back from it failed through his opposition. In the fourteenth year of his age, he was made town musician in his native place. During his fifteenth year, he devoted himself, mostly alone, to the learning of various instruments. Then he went as assistant to the town band of the Silesian town of Kruneberg, 
There he had the opportunity of hearing a traveling violoncellist, whose performances so inspired him that he forthwith resolved to devote himself to cello-playing, with which until then he had never occupied himself. He was his own master. After two years of energetic work, Schoenebeck went as cellist into the private band of a Count Dolna, though he only remained in it until 1780, preferring to undertake a post which was offered to him as town musician at Zorhau. A journey to Berlin procured him the possibility of hearing the violoncello Virtuoso du Poir at Potsdam, which incited him to renewed study. Soon after he made at Dresden the acquaintance of the French cellist Tricklier, whose playing gave him fresh impulse. From that time Schoenebeck led a restless, wandering life, which prevented his attaining to the concentration of his powers. At short intervals he filled, one after the other, positions at the court of the Duke of Courland at Sagen, with Count Truschetz, at Wallenberg, and still further at Königsberg. At length, wearied with a musical life, he returned home and devoted himself to husbandry, but did not long persevere with this, and resumed again his artistic career. In the year 1800 he performed at Leipzig, where his pleasing cello compositions and his playing, with a fine intonation and rare finish, met with applause, as Gerber remarks. Johann Georg Hoppe Born in July 1762 at Stettin, devoted himself in early youth to cello playing, and under the elder Dupont attained to the rank of a master. His studies ended. He traveled through North Germany as well as Denmark and Sweden. In the year 1786 he betook himself to Amsterdam, and there fulfilled the duties of first cellist in the German opera, as well as at concerts. While in that position he died on June 15, 1814, his playing was famed for the beauty and power of his tone, as well as for readiness and purity of rendering. Christian Friedrich Bauersachs, born on June 4, 1767 at Pegnitz, in the Principality of Anspach, was not only unusually clever on the violoncello, but also played the basset horn with great skill. He traveled through Hungary and Italy, and then also in Germany, giving concerts with good success. Yet he did not succeed in gaining a permanent post. He therefore gave up music as a means of livelihood, and devoted himself to a miner's career on December 14, 1845. He died at Zümerda. Josef Alexander, who in 1800 lived in Duisburg and worked there, is worthy of mention on account of two books of studies which, however, are long since obsolete. They consist of a violoncello school, published in 1801, and of an air with 36 progressive variations for the cello with fingering in different keys, accompaniment with a violin and a bass, 1802. Johann Gottfried Arnold, born on February 1, 1773, in the Württemberg town of Niedernhall, died July 26, 1806, at Frankfurt on the Main, was the son of a school teacher. He early applied himself to music and chiefly to the violoncello, so that at eight years of age he attracted notice by his performances. 
In 1785, his father placed him under the tuition of Lungeslauer and the town musician, with whom he studied for five years. At the expiration of the time, Arnold found employment with his uncle, who was court and town musician at Wertheim. During this period, he pursued alone with great zeal his cello studies, but at the same time he did not neglect theoretical study. After some fruitless attempts to make himself known as a soloist beyond his native place, he visited Regensburg, where just then the violoncellist Max Willmann, mentioned above, was residing. He gave Arnold, during some few months, instructions on the cello, the first which he had received on this instrument. In the year 1796, he had the opportunity, in Hamburg, of hearing Bernhard Romberg, and learning from him. Very soon after, Arnold was established in the theater orchestra at Frankfurt. At the same time, he gave private lessons. He was esteemed by his contemporaries as a great violoncello virtuoso, whose playing on account of its enchanting tone was excellent, not only in, in allegro, but also in adagio passages. Amongst the German violoncellists of the last century, an amateur deserves mention, who so distinguished himself that he may properly be counted among the artists of his instrument. It was the Prince Christian von Wittgenstein Berleberg. He was born on December 12, 1753, and in his youth occupied himself eagerly with singing and clavier playing. In more advanced years he learnt the violoncello and succeeded so well that he was heard with the greatest applause publicly at a concert in Wetzlar. He maintained towards the end of his life a private band. This patron of art died October 4, 1800. These distinguished men, up to this period with few exceptions, endeavored, besides their practical work, to create by their compositions a literature for their instrument. They wrote concertos, sonatas, and works with variations in considerable numbers. These productions were substantially increased by other musicians who were not cello players. Before all, the most prominent are Philipp Emanuel Bach and Joseph Haydn. The former composed a violin concerto, the latter several pieces of the same kind. What a lively interest Haydn, especially, took in the violoncello is proved by the fact that he used it as an obligato in two of his symphonies. The first of them, B-flat major, appears with the title, Symphonia concertante a violon, violoncelle, flute, hautbois, et basson obligé, as Opus 81. The other, called Le Midi, was written in 1761. Therein, the violoncello is employed as a solo instrument, chiefly in the adagio, and close of which ends with an elaborate cadenza for violin and violoncello. The cello part in the above-mentioned Symphonia Concertante contains striking difficulties, especially where it is employed in the higher tones. Amongst other composers of that period who composed concertos for the violoncello, we will only mention Paul Raninsky, Ignaz Preyel, Franz Anton Hofmeister, Franz Christian Neubauer, Leopold 
Hofmann and Johann Ludwig Willing. There were also amateurs who attempted compositions of this kind, such as Ernst Ludwig Gerber, the author of the Historical Biographical Dictionary of Musicians, and Christian Ferdinand Daniel Schubert, who, though he had a musical education, was, however, really by vocation an author. Further, Johann Georg Albrechtsberger, Josef Eibler, F. A. Hofmeister, C. G. Neubauer, Ignaz Pleal, produced duets for two violoncellos, violin and cello, or for viola and violoncello. There is also in existence a cello sonata with unfigured bass by the contrabassist Christian Spurni, who, born in Mannheim, was during the years 1763 to 1770, member of the orchestra of the Italian opera in Paris, and then of Her Majesty's in London. The greater number of these compositions, whether emanating from violoncello players or not, are interesting only insofar as from them may be gathered what position German violoncello playing held in the second half of the last century. We now have only to state that the technique at the end of the period mentioned had made great progress, and that Germany, as compared with Italy, even taking into consideration certain cello pieces by Boccherini, was not behindhand. A universally current method for the manipulation of the fingerboard, and also for bowing, had indeed not yet been attained in either of the two countries. The testing in every way of the executive ca capabilities of the violoncello naturally followed, as well as discovering the various combinations for playing double stops, the formation of passages and ornaments, and the endeavor to develop and present them in a manner suitable to the nature of the instrument. This tedious work must on the outset have necessarily led to productions in which the question of imagination would not be taken into consideration. In fact, it is with few exceptions of very little value, and as further the figures and runs are antiquated. The compositions in question can awaken no real sympathy, but these trial stages which cello composition had to pass through were necessary in order to arrive at a literature of artistic worth. Mm -hmm.